podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, so yeah, um, Mr. Hearn was quite busy last week with quite a big fight. And as I said, I'm sure you'll want to ask him a few questions. But Eddie, if you can kick us off with just um, your thoughts ahead of Friday night's action. Yeah, I mean, uh, fantastic night last Saturday. Anthony Joshua defending his unified world championships in London. Um, quite, quite ironic. We were allowed a crowd, uh, a thousand people. It was, it was absolutely sensational to see people back in the arena. And the government just announced about an hour ago they're going to uh, close all that down. So as of Wednesday, there'll be no more crowds. So it, it affects some of our other sports, but... We were lucky enough to at least get a thousand people in for a great night on Saturday. Great performance from Anthony Joshua, a dispatching of uh, Kubrat Pulev, a very tough Kubrat Pulev in nine rounds. And obviously, we all hope that we can uh, get the unification, <clears throat> excuse me, undisputed fight ASAP with Tyson Fury. We will continue to work on that. And of course, this week we have a, a huge night of boxing um, as. The legendary champion just joins us in the Zoom. Um, Gennady Golovkin will make his record-breaking 21st defence of his middleweight world championship against Zerometa at the Hard Rock in Florida, live on the Zone globally. Um, as we know, it's a fantastic opportunity for him to make history, the mandatory defence of his IBF world title. Um, and a big card as well. Great fight on the card. I don't know if you guys, uh, sometimes when you have a superstar headline and you don't take too much notice of the undercard, one to look out for particularly, Ali Akhmedov against Gongora. Great fight for the IBO Super Middleweight Championship of the World. Uh, Hun Min Choi, our WBA Super Featherweight Women's World Champion, will also defend her title on the card. Reshat Matty on the card. England's John Ryder just had a great fight with Callum Smith the super middleweight championship of the world and uh, that's all before we head to texas of course for uh, the canelo alvarez against callum smith fight on saturday so another incredible weekend of boxing on the zone before uh, triple g joins us i'm uh, happy to answer any questions um as we get ready for another huge week okay great donna with the first question please hey eddie how's it going Good, mate. Very good. Um, I, I, I just want a quick one for this. This isn't my, my main question, but it, it's coming up to the morning time when people will be waking up on the West Coast in America. Have you had any calls from Las Vegas regarding what happened? <laughs> I, I had one last night. I had a brief one last night. Um, there's been a lot of call, There's been a lot of conversations over the, the last couple of weeks. Um, I didn't want to do too much because one, I hate putting a jinx on it. And two, I want AJ's attention, you know, when we're going through the details of the deal. And obviously now he can focus on that. Um, you know, had a good chat with Bob last night and we're all of exactly the same mission to get this fight made as soon as possible. Um, we are starting now to look at the contracts, draft the contracts. There's not really a lot to agree, to be honest with you. I mean, obviously we know um, the split is already agreed. Really, we've got to look at where it's going to take place and iron out a few um, contractual issues on the TV partners. And, and I think we're, we're there. I'm very confident we're going to get it made. I wanted to ask you, though, about a, a, a Scott Coker, who you've spoken to about potentially having Katie Taylor fight Chris Cyborg. He told me this week that he is also interested in putting on the Dylan Dennis and Jake Paul fight. Are you interested in, in perhaps promoting that? Um. No, I'm going to take a little bit of a sabbatical 
from the YouTube stuff. I, uh, I, I, I kicked the ball off last year and now everyone's trying to do it. Um, I actually said to Floyd on um, Saturday night, he was at the AJ fight, I said, you need to be careful. This is a very, very tough fight you have with Logan Paul. And he asked me, are you serious? I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think uh, Jake, Jake Paul's okay. You know, Jake Paul's a good fight. I think the one I would be interested in is Jake Paul against uh, KSI, but we'll see. Hey, Eddie. Jonathan here from Pro Boxing Fans. Uh, what's your understanding of the situation with the WBO? Have you had any conversations with the pre president about what's going to happen with this USIP mandatory? Yeah, I spoke to Paco Valcazar um, actually uh, about an hour ago. Um, get on very well with Paco. Now, they're in a difficult position because obviously they're desperate to be a part of this fight but they also have an obligation to Alexander Usyk that he is mandatory. So in an ideal world for the WBO, um, he would, you know, in some way, Usyk needs to be happy with the resolution and the situation. So, but at the same time, you know, I said that if there was no belts on the line in this fight, it would still take place and it would still be the biggest fight in boxing. Um, so... You know, it's a tough one for Paco because he really wants to be a part of it, but you can't just ignore people's mandatory obligations at the same time. So myself, Bob, Alex Krasuk, Igis Klimas, you know, all the parties involved, Alexander Usyk, will have to come up with some kind of solution that would keep him happy or vacate the belt. Thank you. J.R. Bell next, please. Hello there, Eddie. Um... Just uh, talking about our last conversation before the Jacobs fight, where we were talking about the events that you were putting up. Um, I had to just uh, ask this question. How relieved would you be after December 20th, after all of the events that you put up this year are done? Well, I think um, the answer is very relieved, but it's really because of the close that we've had. You know, we've had so many fights, so many great fights, so many, I mean, there's been a couple of average fights thrown in there as well. You can't predict what's going to happen in the ring. But the, the finish to the year is always very important. And so is the start to the year. And I feel like we've not finished as strong as this in any year I've been promoting boxing. You know, with AJ against Pulev, with Gennady against Zerometa, and then Canelo against Smith. You know, in the middle of a pandemic, it really is, you know, a, a tribute to... Uh, the work of Matchroom and the team that we have on both sides of the Atlantic and also our broadcast partners as well. You know, DAZN, I love the fact that, you know, what was it, probably four months ago, all these guys in, sitting at home, you know, these these hardcore fans that want to talk about the demise of DAZN. Apparently they're going out of business, they're pulling out of boxing, you know, and then they launch a global product and actually are more aggressive than they've ever been you know, have a better schedule to close the year than they've ever had before. And I really feel that, obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of, of the zone in the US, but when you look at the schedule that you're providing, you know, you've just had three back-to-back pay-per-views, really, over the three months. You know, you had Charlo, you had um, Javante against Santa Cruz, and you had Spence against Garcia. You're talking about 230 bucks, right, for those three nights, 
you're about to have Anthony Joshua, Gennady Golovkin, and Canelo Alvarez across one week. You know, and for ninety nine ninety nine, you get an entire year on the zone, and the value for the global customer now is 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 unbelievable. So, we're really happy with how we're closing the year. We're really happy how, um, you know, how how well we've worked in the environment. It's been very very difficult, very challenging, but also very re rewarding. And of course, you know, there's so much more drama to come this weekend. Gennady is in his record breaking defence. You know, he has a tough undefeated challenger in Zerometa. And of course, the day after is Canelo against Callum Smith. And obviously, everybody's looking towards the two winners of those fights. I'm a little bit biased because obviously Callum Smith's my guy. Um, but I know from a DAZN perspective, the reason they're putting these two together, uh, you know, on the same weekend is to build to that third mega fight. Thank you. Hands next, please. Hey, Eddie, how you doing, man? Good, hands. Um, so, yeah, I just want to ask you straight up, man. Um, do you believe that Triple G is still the best 160-pounder in the world? Or do you kind of have somebody like a Jamal Charlo? Um, I guess you could throw Canelo in there. Um, but, yeah, do you still have Triple G as the number one in the world? Or is it kind of a toss-up? And, like, who do you have? I kind of think that we're, you know, boxing fans, of which I'm one of them. We're very dismissive, aren't we, after even anything that's not a grade A performance and, you know, it, we start questioning people. I mean, Gennady Golovkin had two tremendous fights with Canelo Alvarez, you know, two fights that a lot of people thought that he won. Some people thought that Canelo won. You know, some people thought it was a draw, but unquestionably, they were tremendous fights. You know, he came back uh, with, with a relatively straightforward fight against Steve Jobs. Um, not Steve Jobs, there's the guy from... Steve Rose. Steve Rose. Yeah, going to say, don't want to fight Steve Jobs. Blimey, well, I that'd be interesting. Um, you know, and against Steve Rose. And from there, you know, he had what was, can only be described again as a tremendous fight with, uh, with Derevenchenko. And it was only because the Derevenchenko fight was close that people start questioning now, okay, you know, is Gennady at the latter end of his career? I think no. You know, I think he was going through a little bit of a transitional period with Jonathan Banks as well. Um, I do expect him to put in a, a destructive uh, display against against Zerometa. I believe he's going to win the fight by knockout. And I think he's extremely motivated to go on and, and fight anybody. I mean, you know, the pleasure of working with Gennady Golovkin is he'll never turn his back down at an opportunity or a challenge. And I think when you look at the division at the moment, you know how highly I think of Demetrius Andre. You know, he needs that that standout fight. Charlo is a great champion as well. And then you've got Gennady Golovkin. You know, you've got other guys in the mix as well, Jaime Munguia. But I think that with Gennady, Gennady, and I will say this as well, you know, I know that he's laser-focused on this weekend. And when, when, we, when he does join us, he don't want to talk about Canelo Alvarez, you know, and... I want to want to try and avoid those questions if possible because the same as Anthony Joshua last week. Of course, I will tell you, in my opinion, the ultimate challenge that he wants to accept next, I believe, is is Canelo Alvarez. But he's just focused on Zerometa. I believe his resume, you know, stands as the best middleweight in the world right now. And by the way, he will fight Charlo. He will fight Mungia, and he will fight Andrade. 
Andre. Um, if the Canelo Alvarez fight doesn't present himself itself. But a lot has got to happen this weekend for that to be the case. But, you know, pound for pound, you have to say, I think he's still the most exciting fighter on the planet. Um, okay, just just want to quickly follow that up. Um, <clears throat> that's a great answer. But, and I, I know he does have the best resume at 160 pounds. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like when, when people talk about Pacquiao. Pacquiao has the best resume at 147 pounds, but they don't really consider him the best. But do you believe that he's the best at 160 pounds? I don't really want to twist your arm or nothing like that, you know. But yes, I would, I, would, I would say with everything that he's achieved, with his resume, with his performances, I would have to say yes. You know, again, you know how highly I rate Demetrius Andre. And not for no thought of Demetrius's, he hasn't been able to get the standout marquee names on his resume to maybe say that I am on paper the number one middleweight in the world. So, you know, whilst he may be, you have to say that with everything Gennady's achieved, with everything he's shown, and the ability that I still think he has, yes, you have to put him as the number one 160-pounder in the world. And just my last thing for you, um, you said if he doesn't get the Canelo fight, you will fight um, Charlo, Andrade, um, stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of people believe that he probably will get the Canelo fight, um, most likely anyways, don't really know. But, you know, win or lose, if he does get that fight, he typically fights twice a year. Um, let's say he fights Canelo, he beats some losers, whatever. Is he is the angle still going to be to fight either Charlo or Andrade? Because that is, you know, that's the fight. Yeah, I mean, I think um, with Canelo Alvarez, if he beats Callum Smith, you don't know where the weight division lays. I don't personally see Canelo Alvarez coming back to 160. So, you know, would, would Triple G move to 168 to fight him? I mean, there's so many questions to answer. All I can tell you, honestly, is that you know, there's a list of fighters that I know he wants to fight. And, you know, they do include all the names that you've suggested, but he's got to get through Friday night first. And then, you know, for me, I'm hoping for a Callum Smith victory. If that doesn't happen, you know that every every broadcaster that, that would be working with them and, and certainly DAZN and the fans would push for number three first. And then what happens after that, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Danny, uh, flex them next, please. Hey, Eddie, how you doing? You're right, mate. Yeah, good, mate. Um, what impressed you the most about AJ's performance at the weekend, and where do you see his stylistic advantages over Fury? Should that fight get made next? I just think he's really learning and becoming clever, uh, adapting to the opponent that's in front of him. You know, you saw in the Ruiz uh, two fight that he adapted an approach that was absolutely perfect to deal with Andy Ruiz. On Saturday, he adapted an approach that was very, very effective to beat Kubrat Pulev. I think it's mad that people, you know, oh, he could have, you know, he could have made it easier and just gone out there like a wrecking ball and destroyed him in the fourth or fifth round. It's like, yeah, but he also boxed his ear holes off and took his time, broke him down and, and battered him, you know, and, and, and produced one of the sensational knockouts of the year. So you can't really win, you know. Oh, so someone said, looked a bit vulnerable in there. I mean, he got hit twice, I think, in the whole fight. And he's also, people are saying, oh, he's stuck between styles. He's not stuck between styles. He's just realised how to become a very effective heavyweight. You know, before the fight, oh, do you think he'll still be as exciting? Ask anyone in that arena or watched on TV, was that exciting? You know, when he lets his hands go, when he realises he has a fighter hurt, he is one of the best fighters in the world to watch. And he's becoming a fantastic heavyweight. 
great variation with a jab, great feet. He can lock you up on the inside. He can beat you up on the inside. He can box you at range. And he hasn't boxed for a year. So I thought it was an outstanding performance, to be honest with you. He got a very, very motivated Kubrat Pulev. You saw how tough he was. So I think his style will adapt to what's in front of him. I do think against Tyson Fury, he'll be more aggressive because I don't think you want to fiddle around with Tyson Fury and let him play his game of, you know, pouring you and frustrating you. He's got to use his physical attributes in that fight. He's got to get on the inside and he's got to try and beat him up. And he's got to land some of the shots that he landed on Kubrat Pulev. So I just think that it's not really a style that he's adapting now. He's just using the most efficient way to beat what's in front of him. And, you know, if that means going in like a wrecking ball against Tyson Fury, he will do that. But people are still un people are still um, disregarding his boxing ability. You know, we saw it against Andy Ruiz. We saw it again against Kubrat Pulev. He's not really getting the, the credit for that, I think, you know. But I thought it was a great performance. I thought it was a really well-rounded, mature performance that was a bit of everything. Thanks, Eddie. Hey, uh, Eddie, this is uh, Joshua. I did have a question for you. I wanted to ask, uh, as far as uh, Demetrius Andre, I know he was uh, scheduled to fight Dusty Harrison and then that fell out. Is uh, there a plan for who he may face next? And also, I know there's big implications on, of course, Triple G and Canelo potentially facing off, but should that not work out, is Andre willing to move to 168 if he can get that Canelo fight? Yeah, I think, to be honest with you, like, Demetrius is just desperate for a big fight. Desperate for a big fight, you know. And uh, it's very difficult when, you know, you've got guys like Charlo saying, all I want to do is unify and I want to do what my brother did. And and I'm reaching out to those guys saying, look, you know, we, we've made you huge offers to fight on zone. We know that might be difficult for you. We'll do the fight on, on Fox. And, you know, Demetrius will probably cost you less money than Derevchenko. You say you want to unify, here's, here's the fight for you. Um, Demetrius has always struggled with people not really wanting to fight him. I believe Gennady would fight him. Um, is there a fight? You know, the one thing that Demetrius has at the moment is a world championship belt. And if he didn't have that belt, it would be even more difficult to get him a fight. But... Billy Joe Saunders is in a very similar position. And I do believe that if Demetrius Andre doesn't get um, a um, Canelo Alvarez or a Triple G, I'm almost certain that he will fight Billy Joe Saunders at 168 pounds in his next fight. Thank you. Thank you. Matt, uh, BTG next, please. Hey, Eddie, how's it going? Good, mate. Um, I want to ask you about the weekend. How did it feel getting, and obviously we had limited capacity with a thousand fans, but did it sort of feel like things were sort of almost back to normal? Obviously with Sweet Caroline playing and the crowd singing, did it almost feel like we had that big event feel back? It did. I mean, it was a thousand people. It felt like 20,000 people. It was amazing just to see people's, people smiling, you know, so happy to be there. Unfortunately, we got the news from the government today that they're putting London and a lot of the southeast into tier three, which means they've now banned live crowds at events after, what, a couple of days. So we managed to do one. Um, and it was amazing feeling to do it. And I think it really helped AJ, to be honest. Like He's, he's been to a couple of 
um, fights now with no crowd, and it was it was difficult for him. You know, I think uh, I don't know if he would have performed in the same way. So it was a big edge having the fans there, and it was great to see them back. When they return again, we have no idea, but we hope that when that's our last UK show now till probably January the thirtieth. So hopefully, um, when we return, we'll have the crowds back again. Cheers, Eddie. Appreciate it. Uh, Declan Taylor, please. Yeah, Eddie, I just wanted to ask if you've spoken to Bob yet today. No, I spoke to him last night. Um, we had a good chat last night, and I think we're all we're all in the same, you know, the same mindset. We all want to make the fight. There's very little to discuss, but still some things to discuss. We think we should try and move forward with contracts as soon as possible let the governing bodies know that we have an agreement and then we'll go to market and talk to the various people that have been approaching us about where the fight will take place. Um, don't really, you know, I know that there's the Deontay Wilder situation. Some of you guys will know probably better than me where that's up to in terms of the arbitration for that, that rematch clause. I think, to be honest, that's the only thing that will stop this fight from happening next. That's the only hurdle you see at the moment. Yeah, I mean there are still hurdles, but I don't I don't see any major hurdles at all. Um, you know, unless both guys want to have an argument about who goes first on the post or who ring walks second, or you know, I don't see that being an issue. But um, I, I really believe it's going to move swiftly, and hopefully we can get something on paper before the end of the year. Sports Social Podcast Network.